Welcome to the Mom Tuition Podcast, where we help ambitious moms tap into their intuition, find their purpose, and live their best life. I'm your host, Katie. Join me each week as we dive into career, business, self-development, and personal growth. Get inspired by successful moms and experts who have been in your shoes. This is your weekly dose of motivation and practical tips to unlock your true potential. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Mom Tuition Podcast. So excited to have you guys here. So fun fact is I came down with a stomach bug over the weekend and I have not been able to record an intro for the release of tomorrow's podcast and I don't have my podcast microphone and all of my setup. And so I'm doing this with my AirPods. So the sound might be a little different than usual, but I want to release this episode on time because it is so good. And I'm feeling well enough now to at least get some words out. There was definitely a moment here where I uh, was just not, couldn't even get out of bed. So if you are going through the stomach bug right now, um, sending you a big hug. Our family has been through it now. Grayson kind of kicked us off and um, I am just coming around. With that, today's guest is Lindsay Davis and she is a parental leave expert. She is full of so many wonderful stories, honest, transparent stories about her career path, about mom guilt, about her why of becoming a parental leave expert, teaching us how to advocate for ourselves, how to create change in the workplace and create that space that need for time away from work so you can bond and spend time with your kid, as well as we touch on childcare, we touch on momming in general and what fills her cup and helps her be the best mom she can be, as well as the best person in career that she can be. So we touch on all of these things. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And I have one request. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me as I really hope to spread the word and get more listeners so we can help support moms, working moms. We are working our butts off and it is a wild space to be in. And I hope that we can, you know, push this podcast out there to others who have yet to hear it. So by rating and reviewing, it helps me reach more listeners and I would so greatly appreciate it. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Lindsay, and welcome to the Tuition Podcast. It's so good to see your beautiful shining face today on this wonderful Friday. Um, you know, I really like to start this podcast with about personalities. I feel like personalities play like such a big part in how we 
mom in our career, where we go, how we uh, deal with stress, et cetera. So um, for all of our listeners, you guys, this is our my second guest interview, Lindsay. This is my second <laughs> one. Um, but this is how we're going to kick it off. So I'd love for you to share your Enneagram, your Myers-Briggs, and your human design. And maybe if you already, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but you worked in HR. So I know personality was part of your gig anyway. Um, but I'd love to hear what those are. And if you want to share any insights or how that's related to motherhood and career, I kind of want to start there. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I was very familiar with Enneagram before we reconnected. Um, but you had asked what my Myers-Briggs and my human design are, and I've never done those tests before I'd heard of them. And like, I tried to do a human design test a while back, but I don't know what exact time I was born at. So like, I, I was like, well, I don't know if it's going to work. So I still, I need to figure out, I need to like find my birth certificate and, or my mom, I, I highly doubt my mom remembers, but yeah. I mean, honestly, just like astrology, you just put like noon or midnight if you don't know. Um, and it doesn't, it really doesn't alter your, report that differently. I, I think it's like, if you get into the nitty gritty, then the time does, uh, you know, I mean, any human design experts out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what you would do. Um, but so, okay, let's start with Enneagram since you're so well-versed in it. So yeah. What are you? So I'm an, I'm an eight with a wing three, but I don't know if it's like the test or if things change, but I took the test maybe like, I don't know, four or five years ago, pre-COVID, and I was a seven. Mm. And I don't know like if if it can change, but I don't know. I, I don't, Like, can COVID like really have that much of an effect on someone's personality? Like, I kind of think yes. <laughs> um, we like didn't talk to humans for like two years. Um, yeah. But like looking at eight... I feel like I totally resonate with innate. It's like strong personality and like very confident. And it's not like I'm confident in everything I do because that would not be true at all. But like, I just, I'm, I have conviction and like most things that I go for and I don't know. Yeah. So I had to look it up everyone real quick, just because I don't have a reference. Um, so type eight is the challenger in quotes and eights are self-confident, strong and assertive, protective, resourceful, straight talking and decisive. Those are the strengths, which I'd rather focus on the strengths anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, you know, no, like, look at I mean, the, we're all going to be flawed, but it, when we hone in on our strengths, I feel like we can reveal our best selves, both as parents and in career. What's interesting, and as we get into this, is I actually can see that transformation because we'll get into your career path, but you now work for yourself. And so I, yeah. I wonder if that really has, that eight has come out in you because you now show up with confidence and you know your stuff. Um, so, okay, with, with that, what's your Myers-Briggs? Did you take the mm -hmm. test? I took the test and okay. I'm a campaigner, which oh, so totally that usually matches sense. up with a seven. 
Oh, so like, I'm like, that's not, and it's so weird. Like when I took the test, it wasn't like I was an eight with a wing seven, like seven was just like, not even in the picture anymore. I don't, maybe, maybe it was the day I took the test. I don't know. I should read Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> but so the campaigner, so for those who don't know, cause I'm also a campaigner. Um, so it's a ENFP. I can and, see that. <laughs> and, yeah. And it, ENFPs are just enthusiastic. They're excited about ideas, um, but they're actually considered the extroverted introvert. So they need time to recharge, but they're really outgoing. And when they're in a social environment, they're like, I show up and light up the room. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about campaigners that is in interesting that you tested for an eight is... Um, at this time, um, is that <laughs> campaigners have a lot of interests and they tend to be better versed in entrepreneurship. So because they like doing it all, they like having a lot of interests. So um, that's not surprising. So I wonder if just it's the type of test, right? Like I wonder if the campaigner is you because this entrepreneur side is coming out, but then you're also tack tackling a very tough subject. So you know what, let's get into that because I don't want to leave our listeners hanging on what you do now and how you got, like what your career path has been. So maybe start with what you do now so that listeners know, because you guys <laughs> got to hear about this because Lindsay is changing the world. Uh, I, I mean, I hope, I don't know. Uh, I'm a parental leave consultant and you probably never heard of a parental leave consultant because I made it up. Uh, I had never heard of one before and I saw a need and I'm trying to fill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what is drawing me. I mean, obviously I'm pregnant right now and I have a kid and, and I'm a partial business owner. Um, and so I always am like messaging you like, or I, my responses to any of your quizzes are like self-employed um, answers. But, you know, I feel like there is a need because yeah. A, let's get, let's kind of go back to your career path. But then I do want to get into um, the specifics of this. You know, you are the person to talk about like, what is FMLA? Like, can we educate people on that? And what was missing for you? You just kind of did a reel on, you know, what was missing. Like you were in HR and you're like, I didn't even do maternity leave right or parental yeah. leave right. So yeah. let's kind of go through your career path, how you got from point A to point B, and then talk about leaving our country. Yeah. Like. Well, my career path is like un not traditional, which is good and bad in some ways. I don't Classic know. campaigner <laughs> right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like get bored really easily and then like want to move on to something new and exciting. Uh, but when Katie and I first met, I was in my first job out of grad school and I was an editor at a running magazine. And like, I thought I was going to be a journalist and a writer for the rest of my life. And then I moved up to the Bay Area and I was a writer for an HR communications type tech company. And that was very new to me. I was, I was writing, which was like my background, but I got a taste of HR and I 
specifically was writing about HR benefits for tech companies in the Bay Area, which are wild. Like the benefits in the where the money is at in the Bay Area are like insane. And somehow I became the maternity leave expert at my office. I know it's like so wild because like a kid was not even on my radar. I was in like in my mid twenties. I didn't even have a partner. And so, and it was just so confusing. And all the other writers were just like, give it to Lindsay. Cause like, she'll, she won't push back on you. She'll just do it. And everybody else didn't want to, because it was like, so confusing. Yeah. Um, what's, let's see, like fast forward, I ended up becoming a recruiter in San Francisco. I was working in wellness under HR at Twitter in San Francisco. And so it kind of like all spiraled around HR a little bit, kind of like the health and wellness space. Um, I loved my job at Twitter. That job was awesome. Um, but it my, my like Twitter was a cool company to work for. It was such a cool company to work for. I don't know how cool it is to work for them now, but like I had every resource at my fingertips. Like if I wanted to like, be like, I think we should do yoga on the moon. My boss would be like, figure it out and we'll go do it. <laughs> like it was that cool. Um, but I got a taste of like, how can we make work a better place? Like, how can we make this this thing that we go to every day and we spend more time at than we do with our families or at home? Like, how can we make that better? Because it shouldn't suck like it does Ooh, for right? so many people. And um what did I even do after that? I moved back to San Diego. I started teaching group fitness again. And that I feel like that really fits with the campaigner because I can walk into a room with a microphone on and like command the attention of like 200 people and teach a spin class. But like before class, I was always like hiding behind my podium. Like I was like, you know, scared and introverted. <laughs> I didn't yeah, want to talk to anybody. Totally. Totally. Um, and then I had, and then I got pregnant and I was teaching full-time group fitness. And, um, at a certain point, my body was just like, no, you can't do this anymore. And, um, I found a job on Facebook through a group that I was in, um, making very little money at a nonprofit and it was all about helping families to spend more time outside, primarily hiking. And I was nine months pregnant at the time. And I loved hiking. Like the last hurrah that my husband and I did, we hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim. And then I got pregnant like the next day. Um, and been spicy. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it like working in a nonprofit, I learned more of like about like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how like important it is to advocate for you know people that don't necessarily have the same privileges as you. And it all kind of I don't know, like has spun together to me becoming a parental leave consultant. Like, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am now with all of these disjointed jobs that don't really make sense. But now, like, I couldn't have 
I couldn't be doing what I do now if I hadn't had done all those jobs before. And how I got there is I was working for this nonprofit for like three years. Um, but I had my second daughter in December, 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, I was making almost no money because it's just a nonprofit that just didn't have a big budget. And I was just like in over my head. I went back to work for six weeks and it was in the middle of COVID. My husband works in healthcare. So he was at work all day long, all night long, every day. And I had a newborn and a toddler and a job and it like something had to give. And so I quit. And that's when I was like, why? I had like the perfect situation. Like I was working from home for like a nonprofit that supports families and I still couldn't make it work. And that's when I was like, I need to do something about this. And here we are. And I feel like that's so relatable, right? Because that's, that's the reality of our country is like a people, there isn't federal national, um, leave for everyone, right? Um, FMLA specifically, if if I understand this correct, there is paid family leave for government employees. Is that correct? (laughs) Not really, no. Not really? Okay. (laughs) Because I feel, okay, see, you're going to help us all through this because this is a very challenging topic. But ultimately, the truth is, is as moms in America, there isn't this set amount of time given to moms. Every every mom, you know, the mom I just interviewed um, on the podcast as my first guest, she asked for more time, which I think you talk about, you got to ask, you got to talk to your employer, but I think yep. she wasn't yep. specific, but it, I don't think she was given like, you know, what, uh, like 12 weeks, I think it was six weeks. And then she asked for another month, right. Or something oh my it sounded that way because she asked for more time. And I think when she said she went back to work, her kid was two or three months old. Right. And so, um, the point is, is that to, to what you're saying is where's the support, right? Because yeah. Working moms. And I, I did want to mention, I went through all your posts because I wanted to be <laughs> as educated as I could coming in, but it's still complicated. But when we're looking at America and we're looking at other wealthy countries, we're really far behind, right? So I definitely, there's two things I want you to touch on for, for working moms. I want you to touch on what currently exists. And then let's talk about what we can advocate for and what are, what's missing, right? What, what are, what's this gap that we all need to be working towards um, and kind of talk about maybe what you found, like, why do, why do moms want to keep working? You know, because in some ways, I think that's like a, a misunderstood aspect. Uh, And I love to work. I also love my kid. Um, and I think that's why people are here listening to the podcast is they like, they love being moms and they love working. So I, that was kind of a lot of questions. So let's start with, yeah. <laughs> let's start with what does parental leave look like in the United States right now as it stands? Yeah. And you're right. It is so confusing. And, and that's why I'm here trying to help everybody. Um, so federally, we only have really one policy that protects 
parents when they become parents. Um, and that's FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act. And Clinton signed that into law in 1993. Before that, there was literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and FMLA only, and I say only because it really is only, offers 12 weeks of unpaid job protected leave. And it's not paid. And when I say 12 weeks of unprotected, or I'm sorry, unpaid job protected leave, that means that you can take 12 weeks off when you have a baby and you won't get fired. That's it. Like basically you are allowed to say, Hey, I just had a kid and I need to take 12 weeks off and your boss can't fire you. That's Mm -hmm. what the protection is. And I think only 54% of Americans qualify um, because there's a huge, like there's some qualifications that 46% of Americans don't meet, like one of which is you have to have worked at your employer for a year. So if you got a job and then got pregnant two months later, you're not going to qualify. Or if you got your new job while you're pregnant, you're not going to qualify, which is like, I think discrimination, but they never asked me. Um, If you live in a state like California, New York, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, New Jersey, Rhode Island, 11 states and DC, um, your protections are better and you get paid family leave through your state. However, not everyone qualifies. Like Katie always, always messaging me on Instagram. Like what about the self-employed people? Because if you're self-employed, basically you're F-U-C-K, you need like it, you're, you get nothing. Um, so like, there's a lot of qualifications that you have to go through in order to qualify for any of these programs. Even if you live in a state that offers something, I get messages from women from like Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas all the time. And they're like, what about us? And I'm, I literally have to say, you get nothing like that's, that's just what the reality is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's it guys. That is all (laughs) that is that we have uh, in terms of protection right now. So when you are educating parents on this, you're then going to a state level and you're saying, for example, California, you can, I believe you can like add together things to make time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit so that people can kind of understand on a very basic level what that looks like in California and kind of in these other states. Yeah, because most of the most of the programs in all of the states that have programs are similar. Um, They just might pay more or pay less or offer less time or more time. But basically, they're all an insurance program program that you're paying into. So in California, we, if you're like a a regular W-2 employee, you're going to pay into CASD, C-A-S-D-I. And it's a deduction, just like social security on your paycheck. And it's not that much, but it's something that you've paid into your entire life as a working person. And as long as you've paid into that five to 18 months before your claim date, so which is generally five to 18 months before you have give birth, um, you will qualify for partially paid leave, um, in, if you live in California, um, 
And if you are a birthing person, you are also eligible for disability insurance because you are disabled by your pregnancy. And the general rule of thumb is that you get four weeks before your due date off partially paid, and then six or eight weeks off after you have your baby, depending upon if you have a vaginal delivery or a C-section. And then the, the, like hottest tip that I can give is if you have any sort of complications that, um, six or eight weeks can be extended. Your disability is you're still disabled. So you can continue to get disability leave. So what would qualify for that? Like pre preeclampsia, placenta previa, like what are these things that maybe people could look out for, for like adding? Cause everybody's looking for more time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So Preeclampsia and uh, placenta previa are usually things that happen like before you have your baby and then like they go away once you have your kid. Um, but they could possibly be um, dis or complications that you can take leave off even earlier than at 36 weeks. So like if you're on bed rest or something, or I had a consulting call with a woman the other day who's 30 weeks and she has a condition with something with her placenta where it's like coming through her cervix already. And so she went to the, her doctor 36 or 30 week appointment. And her doctor was like, uh, today was your last day of work. Get ready to get comfortable on your couch. And she's like literally on bed rest. She can't work at 30 weeks, which is 10, generally 10 weeks before you have a baby. And she called me and she's like, what do I do? And I was like, well, you're actually in a good spot because now you get paid through disability insurance and you don't have to do anything. But the caveat is, is like, it's not going to be your full pay. Like it's 60 to 70% closer to 60, maybe even less because there is a cap. Um, okay. Okay. And that's so, but after, so the, where I was telling you how you could extend your disability after you have your baby, it could be like postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression, or like if you had a C-section and your incision's not healing properly, or if you had a vaginal delivery and things went wild and they're not back to normal yet, like that, those are all disabilities that um, don't allow you to work. So you can talk to your doctor and they'll extend your disability for you and you can continue to get paid. Mm, so that's really important. And um, maybe it also incentivizes people to be really transparent with their employer about what's going on. Because I think um, we taught again, um, just bringing up the uh, Katie who I interviewed last time, you know, there is, did this happen? Do you find this is happening for moms? It definitely happened for me where there is this feeling of guilt and there is oh this gosh. feeling that I yeah. need to show up for my job and I need to work. And it is hard to give ourselves permission to let go and heal and be with our baby. And then on the flip side, when you do go back to work, you know, don't want to leave your kid yet because whether you got three weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, uh, in America, um, whatever that looks like or zero, um, yeah. you know, you, you then have the flip side of the gill. And so it's, it's hard to navigate, but hopefully those moms hearing this, like take time for yourself, be transparent with where you're at and give yourself space. Um, also I think hearing from other moms, um, and and this is kind of the one of the goals is like you can do both 
and there is yeah. room and you should do both if that feels good to you. Um, so let's, let's now talk about and like segue into maybe, and hopefully that was really educational for people. We'll give, hopefully Lindsay can give a couple more tips at the end. Um, but you know, what does career look like? What does it look like for you? What did it feel like for you when you first had, you know, you kind of talked about more of the uh, actual events or occurrences, but what was the feeling for you that you went through with that feeling of going back to work, being with my kid and, and with both, was it different? Was it the same? Cause uh, you have two little girls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the guilt was a hundred percent there. Um, the guilt was there for me even before I had my first daughter. I I literally was seeing a therapist because I felt so guilty that I was not like financially helping my husband. Like I, I was, we're part of this unit as a family. And like, I felt worthless because I was no longer making any money because I wasn't working. And I had so much anxiety and guilt over it, even though my husband was like, Lindsay, you're like growing our kid, like take a chill pill. And my therapist was like, you need to stop looking at jobs. You need to stop applying for jobs. You are eight months pregnant. And then that job that I told you that I got, I found on Facebook and it like felt like too good to be true. And it was like so perfect for me. And I told her and I was like, I have to apply for this job. And I ended up, this is, I don't know. I feel indifferent sharing this story because it's not what I want people to do, but I was in labor at the hospital, had an epidural. So I was feeling good. Like we were just waiting, waiting for things to happen, watching a giants game. And I was finishing my interview, like assignment for them. While I, while I was in labor and it like, it kind of felt like I was putting a chip on my shoulder since I was applying to work with other moms who would just be like, Oh my God, this woman is such a badass. But it was also like, I want to get this shit done before my kid comes. Mm. So I, I turned in my assignment, like while I was in labor and at my, at my daughter's two week appointment, I walked out and I got the phone call that I got the job. And they were like, well, like, when do you want to start? And I was like, so excited to like, start making money and like, feel myself, feel like myself again. I started like the next day. And I look back on that. And not only do I feel like an idiot, I also like kind of wish my colleagues would have been like, you just had a baby. You should probably like, maybe like even take like a week or so to like figure things out before you come back. Um, but that was that I, I felt like I needed to work to feel successful. Mm. But then when I had my second daughter, I was like very, I was, I was a working woman and I had really bad postpartum anxiety and depression with my second daughter. And I did not experience that with my first. Mm. And I was very needed at my job at that point. And I knew my colleagues were waiting for me to come back because all of my work was getting pushed on them. We were like a five person team. Like it was very small. And like everything that I was, I was like number two at the organization at that point. So like I had a lot on my plate and I was just divvying it out to my colleagues. 
And when I went to my six week postpartum appointment with my second daughter, um, I cried through the entire thing. And my doctor was like, I think you have postpartum anxiety and depression, and we're going to give you four more weeks of disability. And I was like, the first thing I thought of was how am I going to tell my boss? Like that was literally the first thing that I thought of because I felt so much guilt about not being there for my team. I was not thinking about how I needed to heal myself. And it came back and bit everybody in the ass because it it was, it was fine. Like my boss was like so supportive when I told her, I was like, I just told her like, I'm having some complications and I need to extend my leave. I went back four weeks later and I was not, I was not healed. I was emotionally a wreck. I like came back to, you know, four jillion, bajillion emails. Like I never felt like I was going to survive. Mm. I was never going to get my head above water. And six weeks later I quit. So like if they had given me more time and support off so that I could have like, you know, healed myself, I'd probably still be working in that job. But there was all of, you know, it was a perfect storm. And I feel like almost every mom experiences this. That's the thing. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking about the pressure I put on myself with my first kid. And, you know, at at that time I was still, um, I was, you know, working for Wynn and Malo. Um, but I also was taking social media, um, contract clients at that time. And, I, Wynn and Malo gave me great maternity leave. Um, and they still do for those that are wondering, Beth mm-hmm. and Luke are amazing. Um, but, um, with these other clients, I felt because I was a contractor, I felt obligated. And no matter how much time I planned in advance, which I think I tried to plan, uh, two months in advance their content. And then, but I said, I would start taking calls. Uh, at six weeks at six weeks Mm -hmm. and so I was sitting there with Grayson in the Solly wrap and you know on these calls and I thought to myself I need to go back to Winnemala like I I need to ask them I always felt like what's going on what do you need help with and I would like get this feeling of anxiety and guilt with everything like I need to touch base like it is it is a out of control feeling, right? Being absent from your job. And I don't like, maybe you have advice or tips for moms since this is the space that you work in. Cause I honestly don't at this point, um, I'm about to have, well, not about kind of, I'm four months away from having my second, but I'll share a quick antidote just to relate to that. You know, our team goes to Kona to the Ironman World Championships and there was COVID. And um, and so I was like, I'm going, I'm going this year. I'm making it work. Uh, this baby's due August. It's due date is August 21st. Kona is uh, the first or second weekend in October. So it oh would have been. <laughs> and when I got pregnant, I immediately went to that, right? to what you were just describing. And I went, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to tell them I had booked a (laughs) non-refundable Airbnb 
Okay. I was committed. And then I started working through the, the process. Like I started talking to some moms and they're like, you're standing on your feet all day. Like Grayson, my parents would come and, and Grayson and this baby would be there. Um, so I could go back and forth and breastfeed, but then people were like, so you're, you're going to get on a beach cruiser. Like, let's pretend the baby is left. But this is the way that the working mom, I feel like how you're describing, right? Like, this is what we are going through. I have to show up. Beth and Luke weren't saying, they were, they told me it was my decision. But there is this fear that I think we all can relate to of, I have to show up. I have to show up. I want to show up. I should show up. Like, there's like everything in your being. And then- the reality is when I started thinking about it, I'm like, last time I got mastitis, um, mm. you know, like I have an oversupply at six weeks. I wa I haven't shared this story yet, you guys, but at six weeks for my six week checkup, I had just fed Grayson. Grayson came with me. My husband was working. I went into the doctor's office and I, I was like putting my gown on and <laughs> I laugh at this because I have an oversupply. It was like Austin Powers. Like I was spraying <laughs> milk literally all over the doctor's office. And I'm picturing myself in Kona, like just like shooting, you know, shower heads everywhere. And I'm like, what am beach cruiser? I have no idea how this delivery is going to go. To your point, I never was considering, I felt amazing after Grayson. I, you don't consider the what ifs anything. Yeah. You know? And it's like, the reality is we need to give ourselves time and take that pressure off of ourselves. Now on the flip side, I think what we don't, not all companies give or teams give is because that pressure already exists. It sounds like what you needed. And in some ways, what all moms need is they need the team to look at you, anyone who's been a mom, and say, take this time. At the end of the day, what is three, four, six months? I mean, Canada gets it's 12 to nothing. 18 months. I know. It's nothing. Take your time, you know, because it's not just taking care of a baby. You're healing yourself. You don't know what comes up. And so one of the things that is coming up for me while listening to you is, is if you are on a team with a pregnant person right now, give them a hug, tell them to take time for themselves. And how can you support them? How can you say, I'm going to take on more right now so that you, for this very short period, can take, and I don't think that that mindset exists in our culture right now for the most part no we have this like cultural norm that when a woman gets pregnant at work she becomes a burden to everyone else and it's like her fault mm. and we I mean as a society we just need to change our cultural norms around how we treat pregnant people and and how pregnant people should feel about themselves and how they like like you're saying 
there's no one that's going to come up to a pregnant woman at work and be like, what can I do to make your life easier right now? Like that just doesn't happen right now. So we have to have like shift all of our cultural norms. So that does become the norm right now because women generally don't like to ask for help. And when we're in that kind of situation, we need help. It, whether it's like, if you're, you know, working and like, you need someone to take over your clients while you're out of the office, or if you're spraying milk all over the place. Now you're going to need to like get a towel to clean it up. But I'm sure you were figuring out a way to like clean up that doctor's office before I you was walked shoes. in. <laughs> I was. That's the funniest part. I was like, oh my God, do you need, do you need me to stay and help clean up? And she's like, woman, mom, you're crazy. <laughs> we have the supplies to take care of this. But you're right. Like moms are like, I'll do it myself. I made the mess. I need to fix this. I need to yeah. take care of like that is like the You feel like it's all reaction. our responsibility. Totally. Totally. So it's interesting because one of my goals for this podcast is for moms to leave feeling lighter and empowered. And so what can moms do to advocate for themselves to lighten this load? Because the reality is it is heavy that there, yeah. but that's, that's what I'm trying to help moms get out of um, is this mindset of heaviness. Because if we stay there, we're just going to keep staying there and we're not going to move out of this. And we also need to move out of it together. I yeah. don't feel like this one person is going to change the world in this way, right? Like it's going to take a collective of us moms talking about this and then taking action. So what actions can moms take to advocate for themselves? Yeah. And I think you're so right. Like this, this is a collective thing. We can't like live in silos or independently or else like there's not going to be any change that's made, but um, we're in a really interesting time right now, writing on the coattails of COVID, um, which was, you know, horrible, but it did have a lot of silver linings for women and for moms because we learned that we can work from home and be successful. And it also shined a light on like the inequities and like the lack of access to affordable and reliable childcare because, I don't think anyone realized before how important childcare is to just like the su the success of society as a whole. Like if there's no childcare, we can't go to work. That's just how it goes. And um, I love reminding people about what happened in World War II, which was also a really horrible thing, but it had some silver linings. So in World War II, men went off to war. So there was no one working in the factories to, you know, build all the things that we needed as a country. And so they elicited women to, to, for their help. And so now women and moms who were, uh, stay at home moms and homemakers before were now in working in factories and the United States responded by opening thousands of daycare centers. Like they were like, Oh, if we want women to work, for the success of our country, we need someone to take care of their kids because we need them and they're not going to be able to take care of their kids anymore. So they literally opened thousands of daycare centers wow. and 
that was the solution. And then when we, the war ended and the men came home, they were like, okay, went back to your spot in the kitchen and they closed all of the daycare centers. But I feel like we're kind of in this spot again with COVID where we can remind people of these really important things like childcare. There, I read an article the other day that with all the chip shortages that we've been having, it's like becoming a problem for the United States. And so the Biden administration has created um, several center like machine warehouses throughout the country where they're going to be dedicated to creating these chips because we need them. And one of the pieces of the puzzle for getting these big factories up and running is having on-site daycare. Like literally that's part of it because they know they won't be able to get people to work there unless there's someone watching their kids. So like this is happening today. So I, I love looking at those kinds of examples and, and, and like reminding ourselves that like, yes, this is possible. We just need to advocate for ourselves. We need to stand up and say, you know what? I can't work in an office every day anymore because I am going fucking mad getting myself ready in the morning and getting my chi- my children ready in the morning, dropping them off for daycare when we were screaming in the car for 20 minutes because they won't put their car seat seatbelt on and they wanted to wear the pink shoes and not the purple shoes. And like, I also have to brush my teeth, like before I get into the office and then I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not there by eight 15, like this is not sustainable. And if I don't want anyone to be a murder, like that is not my intention at all, but like, maybe it's time you go look for another job and you quit those like terrible people, like go find another job for people that will treat you better and, and leave them. And then Maybe one day that company will wake up and be like, wait a second, that woman was like a really good employee and we lost her. Like, why did we lose her? And it was for something stupid. It was because like, you wouldn't let her work from home on Fridays. Like, yeah. Or have more flexible work hours coming and going. Yes. And yes, it's to your point. I think about this because, you know, I, I have a little bit of flexibility. I, I do manage our office here and, and we have employees. So, but I, I let them know, I'm like, there's a range of my time of showing up. I don't know if my kid is going to have severe separation anxiety and it's going to take a little bit to support or distract or redirect, or maybe it is blue shoes versus green shoes <laughs> or which is, I mean that, or gosh, the seatbelt, the car seat. I was yeah. not anticipating this. My child used yeah. to love the car seat. And now it is like questionable on how long it's going to take for him to get in. And it is this negotiation of yeah. get in. And it's like, to your point, all those things are just the reality. And at the end of the day, this isn't a mom problem. That's that's what is so upsetting because so for for um you know i have i have friends that are teachers that are nurses that are doctors that like they they are working with in the constructs of time very specifically especially teachers right yeah 
And they, they only have so many sick days. And then maybe the husband works in more of a business, more of a strategy setting where they are taking more calls and they can be at home because they don't have to run a class of 30 kids. And this is, this, this is a partner. It doesn't, you know, like whatever your setup is for having kids or whether you are a solo parent, whatever it looks like, this is, this is everybody. Because at the end of the day, to your point, the childcare aspect, kids are the future. This is the reality. If we, and, and pregnancy and births are down, right? So growing the population is on a decline right now. And people are choosing not to have kids. So if you want to incentivize Americans to keep having kids, because there we have lots of friends that are like, that looks like chaos. Why would I choose that? Like, no. And that is happening more and more where people are just choosing to have one kid where families of three to five used to be more common, right? And so, but kids are the future. And this time period, if you really think about our total time in the workforce, right? So let's say 20, 20, like at post exploration, whether you go to college, you study, you like travel the world, whatever you want to do, 18 to 22, whatever that looks like. But like when you start to think about what you want as a true career or start that career path, you know, you're, we'll just say 20 to 70. That's 50 years. <laughs> 50 years. And let's say you have two kids. That's, you you know, within a short two to three year time period, you're asking for like five years of flexibility in yeah. 50, in 50 years. Yeah. Like, I think we, this is, this is what's coming up. I think a lot with, with a lot of issues, but this in particular, the maternity leave, the childcare, how, how can we help companies pull back and see the bird's eye view? So going back to how, what can moms say? I, what are, what are literal words that they could share with their employee and advocate for themselves in HR and sit employer and say, you know, I need this time. Like how can people advocate? Yeah, I actually did, um, a webinar on this a couple of weeks ago, and I did a, an Instagram post about it. So go check out if you're more a visual person, the Instagram post about it. Um, but the first thing is figuring out like what you want, what would make your life better, whether it's, you know, being able to come in at nine instead of eight or, you know, having a flexible schedule, like you'll get your work done and it doesn't really matter when you work, but like you want your boss to like lay off your ass because you have to go pick up your kids at three o'clock every day. And, but you're back online for four hours from, you know, eight to midnight, like whatever it is. Um, or maybe it's maternity leave. Like maybe your company doesn't have any parental leave policy and you're going on parental leave soon. Or maybe you saw one of your employees have a miscarriage and all of the trauma that they had to go through at work because they weren't allowed to take any time off when they went through that terrible experience. And so you want to advocate for them and for other people like them. So you figured out what you want. Now you have to find out like who's going to make the decision about this. So is it like the executive team? Is it your boss? Is it HR? Is it finance? Like 
go make friends with them now, like make them like you. And then like put together your research, figure, like find out like why your company is going to benefit from this thing that you're asking for. So like find out the what's in it for them. And once you have all of that information, you go to whoever it is, that's the decision maker. And you say like, this is what I want. This is why I want it. This is why I think it's going to benefit the company as a whole, as an organization. And this is how we can make it happen. And you've given them all of the tools, the resources, you've given them the solution. You're not coming to them with a problem and hopefully they say yes. Like I love sharing this example because it just warms my heart. I met with this woman a couple months ago. She lives in Steamboat Springs. They live in a daycare desert. Uh, the One of their two daycare centers closed. They didn't have anywhere to put their kids during the day. They band together um, three people that work there and were like, we need on-site childcare at Steamboat if Steamboat like wants to remain as a ski resort that's successful because otherwise we have to quit because we don't know what we're going to do with our kids. They put together a presentation with facts and data and the what's in it for Steamboat Springs as a resort and a company in general, presented it to their executive team and they won. And they have an on-site daycare at their work that their kids go to now. It's incredible. Wow. And that is so inspiring. Like, don't be afraid to ask. It's funny. So, um, I have a manifestation coach. I've been getting into the manifestation world for all of the woo woo fans out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've talked about my woo woo ness before. Um, and ask, ask, nothing is going to happen if you don't ask. And the worst thing is no. And we teach this to our kids, right? Like we would empower our kids and empower our friends. It doesn't hurt to ask. So ask, don't be afraid, figure it out. This is a really short time in your life. And you could potentially change it for all the other employees at your company. And on-site daycare, You know, this is reminding me of, um, so when I, Grayson was, I never saw a lactation consultant other than the day Grayson was born, kind of just because there was milk just coming and he latched fine. And there, there weren't really a lot of issues until six months. My milk didn't regulate until like most people are like six or eight weeks. Like it didn't regulate (laughs) until like six months. And I went to go see a lactation consultant because all of a sudden Grayson was getting fussy on the boob. And I was like, why is he getting fussy? And she was like, oh, like he developed a bottle suck. And I was like, he doesn't really take a lot of bottles. I'm working from home and I'm breastfeeding all but one bottle a day. So it wasn't making sense. But what he had, what I learned through research and talking to other moms who have oversupply is he never had to suck. Okay. So what she told, he never developed, it wasn't a bottle suck. It literally would just like pour into his- Waterfall coming into his mouth. (laughs) Like lava flow, right? (laughs) And and so for him, he didn't have to work and now he has to work and he's like, what the heck? But long story short, what she said is some moms, um, what they would do or do to remove all bottles is they ask their babies to be brought to work or the mom goes home and, you know, make sure to nurse um, so that the baby gets no bottles. 
And I was thinking to myself, moms are doing this working. Yeah, that sounds pretty impossible. Like I'd love to talk to them because most people, at least in San Diego, they have a 20 to 45 minute commute typically to wherever they're going. And I'm like, I don't know that many moms, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is if you advocated for an on-site daycare, like, or, or even some type of nannies, I don't know, maybe there's some type of law situation there, but like some type of caregiving, right? Like there are usually lots of rooms in a corporate building that aren't used at all like conference rooms or maybe an entire office space that could be used. And let's get creative, you know, like how can we bring our kids closer? Because that's another thing that I think comes up for the anxiety. I think anxiety for most moms, whether it's undiagnosed or even if it's very minor, when you have a kid, there is now this, um, you know, primal instinct to take care, to keep them alive. And so that separation is, it it's on both ends. It's not just on the baby, it's on the mom. We want to know, we want to be able to check in. We want, if, if you choose or can to breastfeed, I would argue that most moms would want to be there and, and have continue to have that experience. So if we can bring the babies closer. Um, so that is, that is such an inspiring story. Um, moms, if you work in a corporation, again, let go of that fear, ask anything is possible. And it really starts with all, with all of us asking for it. Um, Man, we've really hit on like all of my questions. Oh, um, good. What what I do want to get into a little bit is you've shared a little bit of a, of your own personal story, but what tools? So part of this podcast is also about like being your best mom. So two. This is a two part daycare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So two part question is one. What tools, so it sounds like daycare help you uh, <laughs> be your best self, but truly what, what are some um, tools or tips or experiences that have helped you be your best self as just purely a mom? Um, and, and then also how has being a working mom helped you be your best self as a mom? Yeah, um, I think I am a much better mom when I have time away from my children. Um, and I cannot emphasize enough how much I love them. I love them so much, yeah. but my two-year-old is like the epitome of a terrible two. Like she is so frustrating. And if I had to be around her all day long, every day, oh my gosh, her and I would both go crazy. But because she goes to daycare, I drop her off in the morning on the way to school to drop my other daughter off at school. So she goes at around eight and I pick her up between four and five. I get my time to do the things that make me feel good. Sometimes that's work. Sometimes that's working out, going for a walk, talking to a girlfriend, 
like doing the things that make me feel like a human. And then I can go pick her up and we can play for a few hours and like actually have fun. And I'm not like frustrated the whole time because she's not doing all the things that she's supposed to be doing and like making a big mess. And like, if I had to deal with that all day long, like yesterday, it was like the first nice day in San Diego we've had in like a long time. (laughs) And so we were outside um, having dinner and my wine glass was on the table. And the first thing that happened was my daughter knocked it off and it, it broke. And it was like, it didn't even phase me. It was just like, oh, whatever. Like I'll clean it up. We'll clean it up. And then we'll like continue eating dinner. But if that had been like the fifth glass that she had broken all day, cause like I'd been home with her all day long, I it probably would not have gone over as well. Um, and also like yesterday I got, what did I do? Like I got to work out. I, I got to work. I had, I think I had a few consulting calls where I get to interact with other moms that I feel like I'm actually helping. And so that really like gives me a boost of self-confidence and just like the happy hormones going through me. Um, so I don't know like what the advice is in there other than like, I think it's so important to like find the things that make you feel like you. And if you know, spending time with your kids makes you feel like you do that. But like, for me, I need time away from my kids also so that they can like socialize and make friends and learn social skills. And like my daughter's learning about the Statue of Liberty at school right now. And I don't know how important that is, but like she thinks it is, which makes her feel good, which makes me feel good. Um, and it all like balances out our family because we all get our own time to do the things that we want to do that make us feel good. And then we also get time together. That makes us all feel really good. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because I have a reframe that I, it's kind of always been there, but we have these buckets. So like some moms like to say things like I need a break from my kids, but actually what I'm hearing from you and I, I hope moms are hearing it we are multifaceted beings and even the mom, like I have to you, you love your kid. I love my kid. I love being a mom. Like I never felt more like myself since becoming a mom. With that said, I still have other, like this isn't an all or nothing, right? Situation where you still at, and and our kids are multifaceted beings. They have needs and wants and desires to do and explore. And my husband or his uh, grandparents or because he's young, so he doesn't have like tons of friends yet or anything like that. But like, you know, he's two. So but it's like everybody has these cups that need to be filled from different buckets. And it's really important, I think, that as moms that we figure out what those are and we make time to do those because even prior to having kids, working out taught my husband and I, we were better together once we worked out, right? We got our endorphins, how you just said, we've released any um, tension or resistance. And now we've done something for doing something for yourself is so hard as a mom, but 
but figure out what it can be and what it what is for you. And I do think what's interesting is never in my wildest dreams did I think that I've always loved to work. And like you, I've shared my story on here. Like it was all over. Right? <laughs> all over. <laughs> yeah. But like I it gives me time to use my brain in a different way, right? Like Grayson's imagination is developing. For me as a person, it is really hard to stay in the imaginative world if I were home for eight hours. Well, really it'd be all day, right? Not eight hours because I'm not showing up as a nanny or going to daycare. Like I'm like, it'd be all day. Like it's, it's very hard for me to stay there. But when, to your point, when I can use these other parts of my brain, and, and give space for those other parts, then I can come back and I can make pillow forts and pretend that, you know, your fork is a drone and this um, blanket is a pool and I can do that. But like, I, I don't have the capacity to stay in an imaginative world, like for 16 hours a day. So I think that's huge. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think that is something that, um, it's so important to to figure out for yourself is what those things are and then doing them. Um, okay. So last question. Um, and that is what is, I'm ending all interviews. Like what is the best advice you've received both as a mom and in career? So I guess it's two part, but as a mom and then in career. Um, gosh. I feel like I've been asked this question a lot lately and I like have no idea. Or what has someone told said to you as a mom that maybe or in career that just sticks with you that it doesn't have to necessarily be advice, but it could be something maybe that just was a game changer when you heard it for you for you. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, I feel like it's there, but like I I feel like it's not necessarily like advice, but it was like you see on Instagram and in social media and in the media like all of these different they're telling you what how you should feel as a mom and like how you should be and you should do this and this is how you need to do this to like be happy. And this is what you need to do to make sure your kid goes to Stanford. And like, I guess the advice that I got from all of those like noises coming at me was to listen to the one that said, do what's right for you and your family, because there's going to be somebody else telling you to do something completely different and it worked for them. But there's also someone that's going to tell you to do something that is completely different than what that person said because it's right for them and then there's somebody that that's in the middle saying like I did this but if it doesn't work for you like that's okay like do it do what's right for you and your family and I honestly if everyone listened to that I feel like the world would be a better place (laughs) I know and it's so funny what what you are talking about which is the title of this podcast is intuition yeah trust yourself trust yourself like you and whatever you're searching for I just did a podcast on this is actually what you want to hear to your point anyway like 
you you know what you your family what is best you you know it it is in you and actually let's end on that because i think that's even true for career you know yes are you happy yes. in career are you not what you are looking for and really to create the best life that you love to create a life you love to intuition and you got this right yep Lindsay, 100%. thank you so, so much. That was absolutely amazing. And I honestly could talk to you for hours, but I know we both have kids and jobs. And <laughs> so we're out of time, but um, I will put in the show notes, some of these references. I'm definitely going to put all of your contact information. If you have questions on maternity leave, parental leave, um, or you just need support in it sounds like childcare or that postpartum um, or getting ready experience, like you are the person to go to. So I will put Lindsay's contact and all of her information in the show notes and please reach out to her. Um, she's helping moms and changing lives. So thanks. Thanks. Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Come visit me on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. My, my handle's the park consulting. I love it. Okay. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. All right, I hope you guys really enjoyed that conversation between Lindsay and I. As working moms, we've all been through maternity leave, parental leave before. Maybe you're pregnant like myself and it's coming up soon, but either way, what a really cool business she has started. I hope that you got as much as I did out of this podcast episode. If you really enjoyed it, I would love to hear what your thoughts were on it. Please send me a DM on Instagram at the mom tuition. I'd love to hear from you. And there's my call. My son Grayson is calling my for me. So I'm going to hop on off. I hope you guys have a great day. And I'll talk to you soon.